So who can we find that will help buy Sputnik? You really want this thing, don't you? I really do. This is the beginning of everything. Sputnik is up for sale, an auction, and there's no way I can afford it by myself. And I got to find somebody that wants a big tax write-off. I've got a guy for you. You do? Sam Bankman-Fried. He's got tons of money. No. Uh, uh, he's a big donor to political causes. No. I think you, you just ask him. He'll help you out. No. No? No. George Soros? No. no. Who's got money anymore? I mean, I got to find somebody that I can just milk to get the Sputnik. Because it, it is, it for the museum, that was, that's the first satellite. That's the first noise from space. Television. Everything changes because of Sputnik. It will sell your body. Well, if I was looking for $11, maybe. But that would put me in work for about two months. Anyway, um, (laughs) here is is today's podcast. Don't miss a second. You're going to love it. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck Program. Because I'm a maverick, uh, which is an actual gender and do not make fun of it, um, one of my uh, favorite co-mavericks, somebody who is a dangerous, dangerous person, lives up in Alaska, and I can call her friend because I'm safe because I know she's in Alaska and I'm in Texas so I can still be share the maverick kind of things. Her name is Marilyn uh, Huper. Uh, she's been on the show a couple of times, but she was on our special this uh, last weekend. Please watch this special. It's really kind of an important thing. Um, Marilyn is on the phone. She was uh, Her home was raided by the FBI over January 6th. They weren't in the Capitol. No. Uh, they went to the front of the Capitol. They weren't on the steps. They weren't anywhere. They just... Look, they had a plane they had to catch in 30 minutes. So they listened to the president and then walked over to the Capitol and went, huh, and then turned around, walk out. Didn't even know there was a rut. Nothing. And the FBI broke their door down early one morning. You got that right. Because she's a maverick. She's learned a lot. She was very um, non-political. And, and now, I'm not sure. Marilyn, would you consider yourself political or just wide awake? Good morning. Uh, well, it's 5.30 in the morning in Alaska, so wide awake might not be quite there yet. <laughs> but, <it's, laughs> but as far as, uh, yeah, as far as awake to what's happening, I feel like I'm uh, becoming more awake every day, and uh, I was willing to take the red pill, and some days I wake up, I'm sure as you do, and say, like, can I have a blue pill day, please? Oh, I know, I know. Uh, I'm actually, I've had this conversation. If I could get a pill where I would erase all the knowledge that I had, which they, I believe they are developing. Um, I, uh, I often think to myself, would I, would I, am I glad I know all this stuff? And I am, but it sucks a lot of times. Um, yeah. Marilyn, um, you and your husband, they came in, broke your door down. Uh, they never charged you. It, it, it's phenomenal to me that they tagged you because they had a picture of somebody that was in the Capitol and it looked like you. Did you ever really think, 
wait a minute, how did my face appear? How did they identify me out of the tens of thousands of people that were there uh, on the mall? How did they compare my picture and get my picture and say, oh, there it is. It's a match. I did, and I asked them that question because they were, as we talked about on this special and as I continue to learn, even though it seems like basics, we keep having to have our mental brain reshaped um, that that uh, we just need to be quiet mm. <laughs> and not talk. Um, but I did ask, but asking questions is what we should be doing. When they ask a question, we should be asking a question, not answering questions. And uh, Jesus was a genius at this when he read the Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, but when they were saying, uh, you know, we have you, you've been positively ID'd. Well, in that, in my universe, that sounds like you've been 100% verified. What yeah. they mean is some random anonymous tipster has called in or left a tip or an email that a photo they saw online might resemble you. Mm. That's mm. a positive ID. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it's not very positive. It's not very right. certain. So even if it's positive, so. you have become, I mean, you're my favorite American right now. Um, you have become this uh, diehard um, civil rights defender and you have investigated investigated everything that you should do uh so this will never happen to you again and you are actually passing this on and trying to teach it to people um tell me the one thing you brought up off air and i talked about it on air was this abraham lincoln thingy uh called writ of habeas corpus which i i don't know what it, i mean i think abraham lincoln had something to do with that i I'm pretty sure. Anyway, what? <laughs> I'm trying to get the Abraham Lincoln link here. Not, it just not sounds old timey. But I'll Google that. Yeah, I mean, it just sounds old timey. Sounds like something he would say. You know, oh, rid of habeas corpus is what we need for this, and who knows what it means? Maybe more cannons. I don't know. But you, you said, and this is the number one question online and in our email is, how do I get me one of those things? I think we should start with ah. what is it and how do you make one or get one and why? Yeah, so a lot of our most helpful tools are not difficult, uh, but they're not known. And, you know, being now a diehard conspiracy vying between oh, sure. a theory and, and, and fact. Right. Somebody that would deny there's a those out. Somebody that would deny there's a direct link from COVID to slavery. I know. I know your type. Go ahead. <laughs> or someone who would, you know, say like, wow, we're in all these fabulous public schools that are teaching all this necessary information yes. and nothing that we can actually use. Yes. <laughs> so. Yes. I know the type. <laughs> okay. So, so what is a writ of habeas corpus? So my understanding is habeas corpus, if I'm, if, if, and I, again, I don't use Google, just want to correct myself there because I want my ESG score to be as low as possible. Right. So I use DuckDuckGo <laughs> or, or anything else as possible. Yes. So I'm trying to learn from you and rate my ESG as I go. Yes. Uh, but uh, it's like a business letter to the court. If you think of it as a business letter, it has a certain format and habeas corpus, corpus, think of body, the corpse, yeah. Dead people. and habeas is... Uh, 
you have. So you have the body. So this is a writ or a letter requesting the body to be freed from custody. It's directed to the court and it's basically ratting out whoever your jailers are that won't let you go. Okay, so if they're holding you, you need the court to have your writ of habeas corpus, right? Correct. So yeah, correct. So it does. There is a little bit of a caveat here, because the jailers have you, and you want them to give you this letter, this business letter to the court. So sometimes there's a disconnect there because they're not so amenable to make that delivery for you. Right. Which I have experienced um, firsthand, but they're not super excited about having their name. They love putting your name on a piece of paper, but they're very unexcited about having their name put on a piece of paper. Um, however, they do now, they do consider you a serious threat once you do that, which I love. That's fabulous. And then you have to figure out how to, how to, how to get it from their hands to the courts. So how do you make, uh, is there like a, a is there like a legal zoom, a legal, like, uh, you know, some sort of a, Rid of habeas corpus.com that you could download one of these things. Where, where do you, how do you make one? Yeah. So I actually wrote it down. I was just thinking like, okay, if this comes up, so I was reading it again because it is, you know, it takes a while to remember if you aren't writing one every day, which thankfully I'm not, and not, it's not necessary at this stage. Um, it's hard. It's easy to forget what the proper elements are. So there's a fellow, an ex police officer, who um, of 30 years, who's just got tired of seeing all of the shenanigans going on. And he's training the people because if you get an attorney, they can do a writ of habeas corpus for you. Um, if you get a good attorney, if you get the right attorney. Uh, and he was just like, this isn't that difficult. Let's just teach the people how to do it. So his name is Terry Ingram and he has a YouTube that's how to write your own writ of habeas corpus, even that. from jail. So, uh, so even yeah, from so jail, in your own blood. Even from jail. Okay, so wait, what is his name <laughs> again? I'm supposed to give you Terry, T-E-R-R-Y, Ingram, I-N-G-R-A-M. Terry okay. Ingram. Okay, YouTube. How to write How your... to write your own writ of habeas corpus. Okay. And it's still on YouTube right okay. now, which, of course, you know, if you can download right. or just make a couple of of copies yourself because who knows how long anything you else You are be there. such a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> My gosh, what a danger to society. I love that you call me a maverick. Yeah, right? I want and, t-shirts. But I wish that... With sparklies on I it. wish that weren't... I wish that weren't true. Like Steve Friends said when he went with our FBI, our new FBI friends. It's wonderful to have new FBI friends. Um, when they aren't... When they don't have guns pointed at you. Yeah. I like them even better. Yeah. So... Um, but as he was saying, you know, his thought was, I'm going to make this exit. I'm going to break trail. I'm going to make a path. And then so many are going to rise up with me. And yet he's like, wait, cricket. Yeah. Here's everybody. So, I know. I know. <laughs> so it, I'm sure it feels that way for you as well. Sometimes like, hey, we're heralding the warning. Now that we can see it, let's all, you know line up and we're, we can take this. There's so many of us and so few of them. All we have to do is stand up. And I yeah. believe that is true 
and we, all we have to do is stand up. Yeah, that's it. All be over. You know, you probably weren't t- paying attention. Your husband probably was when I did the uh, nine twelve project, but you were probably off. I don't know, thinking about salmon or something up in Alaska while I was doing the hard work. Quite honestly, Marilyn, as a maverick. <laughs> Uh, but th- that was the slogan of the nine twelve project. We surround them. It's not the other way around. They're more of us. Mm-hmm. We just uh, have to mm-hmm. stop being sheep and learn our history and learn our constitution and the Bill of Rights. Um, Marilyn, well, I admired you her early heralders and well, the party. Yeah, well, that's I, I made I mean, it. If it wasn't for people that are late to the party, it wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't, I would have had more sleep, but uh, I'm glad (laughs) I just give you a hard time. I hope you know that, Marilyn. Uh, I, uh, I am so glad Uh, you really, you are really amazing. If somebody wanted to find out information from you or wanted to, because are you doing actual classes? Well, you know what we're doing? I've, you know, found some conspiracy uh, theorists, friends who are mm-hmm. searching out between fact and, and, and theory. And we have lots of great discussions on Sunday afternoons, 4 p.m. Alaska time. And if people want to go to stopthejab.org, O-R-G, there's a phone number and, you know, for kind of a secure call-in for a conference line. We do Sunday call-ins. We do a little, uh, like, motivational encouragement from a, a scripture base and then uh and then we take like a topic a 15 minute topic that came up that oh, week that's or really something. great and then we just and we just take callers questions of you know how have you been recently tyrannized and what might be an, an a strategy so it's kind of a strategy time and a review time and it really popped up after some of the people who were reaching out to me and helping me feel empowered to create my own solutions and to, uh, you know, wade into this huge system that we're unfamiliar with. When all the mandates started popping up, you know, I was like, can't we help other people with this information? Cause they don't know they don't have to say yes. They don't know they can, they can, uh, there's a, you know, right. premise that we're working on that we're all in kind of this consensual administrative state that you talk about this administrative state that we're locked in that largely runs on contract and, and yeah. by the power of our consent, which is similar for me when I read, you know, the declaration of independence. after they yep. uh, Yeah, it was, <laughs> you know, right. Yep. They stole the constitution when they visited us that as was a one piece of, yeah. As an evidence against you, I believe. Right. They listed it yeah. on an evidence yeah. sheet and had yeah. a sign for it. They took our okay. electronic, and the Declaration of That's great. <laughs> so, uh, Marilyn, thank, thank you so much for everything you're doing. Again, um, that would be, I guess, Stop the Jab uh, on Sundays, yep. 4 o'clock. Uh, that's Alaska time, which I think is means it's 2.30 in the morning um, on a Friday, uh, New York time. <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, Marilyn, <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, her website is wethepeoplestand.org. This is the best of the Glenn Beck Program. Well, Mr. Bill O'Reilly is joining us. Bill, this has been an incredible week. Nancy Pelosi is out, thank God. Um, The Republicans seem to have the House. We're pretty sure. 
uh, and uh, and uh, the White House has gone insane. That's not actually new. What is the biggest story of the week? I think it's Arizona. Um, it's just inconceivable that an election could be run this poorly. So two and a half million votes uh, cast in the gubernatorial race, and Lake is down by 18,000. And there's no clamor for a recount or anything like that, even though um, I think it's in the number 75 machines, voting machines in Maricopa County, malfunctioned. So uh, I want to know why uh, federal monitors have not been sent to Arizona. That's, number one, what you do um, when you have an election controversy. And that is, uh, you know, historically when um, certain counties wouldn't count black votes mm-hmm. or uh, they fixed it so that <clears throat> people were denied and turned back from registering, federal monitors go in. So why aren't there federal monitors in Arizona? This is insane. Well, do and I don't blame Lake. I don't blame, but Lake should should be very precise in saying, "Look, we want a, a recount. Number one, eighteen thousand votes were behind of a two and a half million cast, and they still haven't counted all the votes. If you can believe it, in Arizona, I mean, this is really insane, and it erodes Americans' confidence in the elections." I really hope Carrie Lake um, plays this very, very cool and doesn't it, it does everything she can to be very precise. You know, when when uh, this happened with President Trump, um, yes. his attorney, uh, what was her name? Sydney. Uh, Sydney Powell. Powell. Uh, oh, my gosh. She was just she was off the chain. Nuts. Her accusations yeah. were not right. Um, I think there is really something very wrong in Arizona, and it's in Maricopa County. And and Maricopa County residents, both Republican and Democrat, should be just ashamed of their state. I don't think Lake is going to win even on a recount um, because of the Senate vote. Um, You know, it was fairly significant to Kelly, the Democrat. um, And so I don't think so. But you got to have a accounting of this screw-up. You can't just let these states, and Nevada's in the same category, and, and also uh, parts of California. You can't just have them saying, well, we're not going to count the vote. We're not going to do it. Okay? I mean, then you have to, t- the federal government has to go in and say you are going to count the vote under our supervision. So here's the only problem with that. Here's the only problem with that is, I mean, the you know, the House Judiciary Committee chairman yesterday um, uh, said, when is the FBI going to quit interfering with the elections? This is Jim Jordan. Um, yeah, but that is a whole different thing. I know. I know. But wait a minute. He said Trump's campaign in 2016, they spied. 2018, it was the Mueller investigation. 2020, suppressed information about Hunter Biden. 2022, they raided the president's home 91 days before the election. Um, he's saying FBI needs to stay out. So if you have the DOJ, which we see is in the bag, do you trust them any more than you trust the people at Maricopa County? No, I don't. Okay. But that doesn't mean you don't take steps to try to mitigate a wrong. Okay. I mean, look, the FBI is now at its lowest level ever in 
you know, it's in existence. And if you're killing the mob, a lot of that's about FBI abuses and FBI successes as well. I mean, they have done very good things. Um, but right now, I mean, there isn't anybody who's ain't coughing. Did you see that guy? Uh, what's his name? Ray? Did Yo, you see yeah. that? Horrible. It was Horrible. Horrible. It was ridiculous. You know, I mean, I'm sitting there going, you won't answer any questions. You should be fired immediately. Yes. But who's going to fire him? They can't even find Biden. Is he back from Indonesia? I, th- I heard he wandered into the jungle. They yeah, don't know where he I is. I have no idea. I have no he, idea. And He didn't go to the dinner, even though it was free. Um, <laughs> he was in his jammies, I understand, mm. and, and didn't want to get out of the jammies. But, um, you know, who's going to do it? Nobody's going to do it. But the Republicans now, you know, it's two short months before they take over. And surely they can put Arizona and Nevada's vote uh, in committee and try to get to the bottom of it. That's what the government's supposed to do. And it never does it. You know, it's all politicized. It's all, I mean, Mueller, 18 years. And uh, the other guy, uh, you know, Durham, he's 19 years. Yeah, well, we'll all be dead by the time he gets in. I know. You know, because they're all making money. They all get paid lavish salaries and all well, expenses. Let me can, can I can I ask you this? Um, yeah. There's a story out today that shows Donald Trump would beat Joe Biden uh, by two points, and everybody is making this story about Donald Trump and uh, Ron DeSantis, saying, "Well, Ron would lose or uh, would win by four points." That's not the story to me. The story is by only two or only four. What the hell has happened to the American people? They are pr- they're being squeezed from every corner, and they still are loyal to this guy? Yeah, because they hate Trump so much. Hatred is no, but, the most powerful emotion back. Okay, but wait a minute. Um, Ron DeSantis is not Donald Trump. No, He's only beating him. him by four. They don't know DeSantis. So, look, let me break this down. Um, and I know you got to take a break. So, give me a time. How, many, how, yeah, how long do I have f- to break? Uh, four it down? minutes now. Okay. So, Trump uh, announces for president. He had to do it because he was losing momentum in the uh, fundraising department. So, a lot of big money was shifting over to DeSantis, who obviously wants to run for president. So, Trump had to try to blunt that by saying, I'm back in the arena and I'm going to do everything. And the first 20 minutes of his speech was good. He said, this is what I did when I was in there, and uh, here's how incompetent Biden is. And then Trump goes into the land of Dion, the Wanderer. Okay, remember that song, back? Yes, I do. I'm the type of guy. Okay. (laughs) And then for 40 minutes, says nothing. And I'm going, you had a 20-minute speech that was really good, and now you're meandering around. Yeah. Why? And, and people are collapsing in Mar-a-Lago. They're trying to break windows to get out. insane, <laughs> right? It's just crazy. Well, it was my, that was my only critique of it. Do it in 20 minutes. You've got to appeal to people who aren't watching you. That's right. Yes. And then that gave the uh, cables the uh, license to get out. Yep. And, and anyway. Yep. But Trump had to do what he did. And now Trump has an advantage because he's got the whole field for a year. See, DeSantis can't enter the presidential sweepstakes until this time next year. He's got to govern Florida for a year. He just got reelected. He can raise money 
and he can go, you know, to your house, Beck, mm-hmm. and, and, and chat with you, but he can't really formally announce. So, so Trump has got all that feel. The problem is that Trump doesn't understand, and I know this, how many people hate him. And it's, and it's way beyond any logic. It, it's like, I will, I will take Biden with all of the terrible things that are happening, because I hate Trump so much. Hatred is the most powerful emotion. And you see it everywhere. And that hurt the Republicans in the midterms. There's no doubt about it. It's still there. Is this uh, FTX story going to affect the Democrats at all? Yeah, nobody knows what it is. Um, cryptocurrency. I remember about a year ago uh, when this thing first was bubbling around, I told my audience, radio and TV, I said, stay far away from this. Okay, this is uh, not going to work out well. Anybody uh, who earns a living and uh, works hard for their money, um, putting uh, it in the hands of a guy living in the Bahamas with a bad haircut who's 30 years old, I don't think so. I I didn't think that was a good idea. Yeah, you know what's incredible is the um uh the guy who does the autopsy, you know, the financial autopsy on businesses like this. Yeah. He's the guy who's done all the big ones including Enron and he said I've never seen anything even close to this. That's because greed took over. Greed is the second most powerful emotion next to hatred. So a lot of people thought, oh, yeah, Tom Brady, he's going to get cryptocurrency, so I'm going to do it. You know, and I feel terrible, but there's never going to be a recompense. If you invested money in this, you lose your money. It's like Madoff. I mean, at least Madoff, they got something out of him. They'll never get anything out of this guy. Um, so it's just, you know, hard. when you work so hard for your money, don't be stupid. Well, Corey, you know, I mean, but here's what I really want to know. Cory Booker um, yes. it begged the judge to give, um, uh, what's her name, Elizabeth Holmes a pass because she had a sincere desire to help. Of course. Of course. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, and, and, the and this guy has. Yeah, and the guy, I mean, the hustler in the Bahamas, the crypto guy, I mean, he obviously was trying to buy influence in the Democratic Party. Yeah. Because he understood that the big money that was going to come in weren't from people from Iowa or uh, conservative states. There were there people in the urban centers who lean left. So he was going to become the big financier of the left. That's what he was doing. It was a business decision. But anyway, it's terrible. A lot of people lost a lot of money. Don't do this. Um, be very, very careful with your money. Um, your thoughts on, uh, Nancy Pelosi. I know. Yeah. Nancy Pelosi. And and I, and I actually, uh, would like to hear what you have to say about, uh, the guy rumored to replace her now. Oh, Hakeem. Yes. Hakeem Jeffries. Know him well. Do you? Oh, I know Hakeem. He's from New York. Ah, yes, he is. Yes, he lives near me. Uh, And I go trick-or-treating at his house, and Hakeem, he gives me vouchers. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, Nancy Pelosi, and I said that this week, I have never seen a politician, I know them all, Beck, more envious of power than she is. 
power, just power. She loved it. Oh, my God. But the only thing I have ever heard Lindsey Graham say that I was like, that is absolutely right and cheered for him was when he said, you people want power so much power. I hope to God you never get it. He was right on that. Yeah. And Pelosi would like strangle all the Democratic members in the House saying, you do it my way. We cut off all the money to you. Right. Um, And McConnell does that, too. Yes, he does. uh, The Republican side. Um, And, you know, these people, they're not looking out for the folks. I mean, McConnell, he's terrible. Terrible. Um, But Pelosi, you know, she's gone now. And that that is a big plus for the midterm election. You know, it's not all doom and gloom. She's out of there. Now, Hakeem, who will take over, is a shadow of Pelosi. A shadow. He doesn't have her skills. He doesn't have her ruthlessness. Um, You know, he wanders around looking for Shake Shack. I mean, this (laughs) is not a guy who's going to really have an effect. And that's going to be very tough because there are some renegade Democrats. And Hakeem is not going to scare them as Pelosi did. So what do you think of Kevin McCarthy? I don't know him really. Um, He's on Fox News too much. That makes me nervous. Mm. Um, You know, every time I turn around, uh, there he is. He doesn't really ever say anything, you know, that I can that I can write in my notepad. Um, but I think the guy, I, I'm going to give him a chance. He's got to get the committees under control. If you're going to do a committee on Hunter Biden, you've got to really spell out, okay, this is what we're looking for. This is why we're doing it. It's not just vindictive. All right, this is what we believe happened. We're going to try to find out. And the same thing on the border, which is huge. You know, you get your committee on the border. Okay, we're trying to find this so the American people know up top what the goal is rather than just we're going to knife every Democrat and Biden every time we turn around. That's not going to help in the independent precincts. So I think that McCarthy has got to be very, very exact and methodical in his explanation of what the House Republicans want to do. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. you got about 60 seconds. Yeah, it's uh, Thanksgiving week uh, next week, and uh, I don't think I'm going to be talking to you next week, Beck. I think you're going to be chowing, right? I'm going to be gone, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want everybody to have a very nice Thanksgiving, and don't cut back, even if inflation and all that. No, no. There's some things in life that you really have to do for tradition, and I want everybody to have a good time. And then we are into the Christmas buying season, and, and I hope every individual, all 330 million Americans, buy Killing the legends. See, if that happened, then that would be good. You could afford a turkey. Maybe the biggest uh, one in the window. Anyway, it's a great book. Uh, you'll enjoy it, Killing the Legends. On BillOReilly.com, we've got Killing the Mob, Killing the Legends, and Killing the Killers in a bundle. And we're giving you $35 off. Whoa, Beck, come on. I mean, it's crazy. And look, at here he is, Bill O'Reilly, on this program, talking about killing. My gosh, the left is right. Wait a minute. Right. Have a good Thanksgiving, Beck. (laughs) Goodbye. The best of the Glenn Beck program. Okay, we have uh, man. It's like uh, it's like old home week here. Uh, Lineup of friends uh, on the program. Richard Paul Evans is uh, one of uh, just one of the best guys I know. Um, He started his uh, writing career. I mean, really got noticed. Uh, with something called the Christmas box. He couldn't get a publisher. He tries to publish this Christmas story. 
Um, nobody is interested in it. He just copies it and starts, you know, giving around to people for free. Just, you know, hey, read this. And everybody started making copies. Simon and Schuster found out that the most asked about book was the Christmas uh, box, which he hadn't published. Everybody turned down and they called him because they're like, um, you're the author of the Chris. And I, we hear it's just a Xerox copy. Could you do you want to sign a big contract with us? And he has been writing bestsellers ever since. Uh, he's the bestselling author of the Michael Vay series, which um, uh, Mercury is proud to pr- uh, print. Um, he's got a new book, A Christmas Memory. He says it's his favorite book ever. Richard Paul Evans is with us. Hi, Richard. How are you? Good morning, Glenn. Thank you for your friendship. Yeah. Um, it's great to have you on. Tell me, uh, tell me about this book. And because what you are inspired in your writing, um, I don't know if that is normal for uh, authors that they just are inspired by something and it just kind of downloads. Tell me about this book. Do you remember last year when I was on your radio show and I could barely talk? Yeah. And you're like, Rick, you're sick. I had pneumonia. And oh, I yeah, yeah, yeah. And on top of it. I was very, very sick. Yeah. Um, it was on the, you know, we're talking to the hospital. It's like my friend passed away from the exact same thing a month before. And um, I, I thought, I may be done here. And I, of course, didn't let that out. But it's like, I was very sick. And I'm laying in bed and this story starts coming to me. And Carrie brought me a notepad and I wrote this book in bed on my back. And I thought, you know what, I, I just go through the exercise. The book will probably never be published, and it's probably awful. And two months later, when I started to recover, I read it, and I thought, this is the most powerful thing I've ever written. It, it, I, I was getting out my childhood. It was very vulnerable. It was very raw. And it was about a little boy and a, a man, um, an, an older black man who lived next door, who watched over me at a very difficult time in my family's life when my family was melting down. And you would never let a young boy go to an old man's house today, but he was just a mm. kind man who had lots of chocolates and good <laughs> advice. <laughs> Especially that. Hey, the next, the old next door neighbor uh, has got chocolates for you, kids. Come on over. I know it was a different world when we were growing up. <laughs> uh, okay, so um, so tell me the sto- Tell me a bit of the story. Well, it takes place in 1967, and. It was just when my family um, went through a really hard thing. And, and um, in this case, I did. The, the book is semi-autobiographical. There's a few things I took out. Um, my bro- I wrote my brother was killed in Vietnam. My family melted down. We moved to Utah into an abandoned home after my dad lost his job. And that's why there's rats in Michael Bay, because the home was filled with rats, and I was terrified of them. <laughs> and I, it, it was an inner city school. It was a really just tough place to live. We got beaten up our first weekend there, my brothers and I. And um, it was just a really hard time. And even the teacher was a bully. And, and during was the that time, because? It, hang on, just a second. Is that because you have Tourette's? Well, I was always teased because I had Tourette's. That okay. kind of made me out, an outsider. Yeah. Right. But yeah. th- this was just a mean place. <laughs> And the thing is, my mom, when my mom lived there, it was her, it was her mother's house that had been abandoned. It was, it was like country, so it was nice back then, but moved in, it's now inner city, and it was tough. And um, we were just very poor. My mother locked herself in her bedroom for days, and then she attempted to take her life. I mean, it, it was a horrible time. And um, 
this is about the hope of a little boy who just kept going. And um, anyway, I just, when I finished the book, I was sobbing. I gave it to, to my publisher, Simon Schuster and Gallery. And the head of editorial called me and she goes, Rick, I just finished your book. I was only going to read one chapter. She said, I've been just crying, ugly crying, and I can't believe the power of this book. No book has ever moved me like this. And it's just, I already had a movie offer on it, which I turned down. It's like, no, we're going to wait because I think this book is going to be really big. And it feels like the Christmas box all over again. Things are happening. Doors are opening. So, but Christmas box never sold uh, in pre-sales like this one. I mean, this is your biggest selling pre-sale book, isn't it? In in my history. Oh, yeah. It's already sold enough books to hit the New York Times bestseller list um, multiple times. I mean, it's it's pre-orders are off the charts. There's retailers that are already selling out of the book, and it's not even out yet. Wow. There's something magical about this this book. And, of course, after being on, on your show... Um, it, it's just crazy. It's already been on Barnes and Noble bestseller list. It's been on Amazon's bestseller list in the top hundred. I'm so and, happy um, for you. Crazy. I'm it's, so it's, happy for you. Um, well, you know, it's, it's a time of peace and it talks about love and compassion and, um, racism in a way that makes, that makes sense that, you know, the key to that is love and it's about love. So when you, when you say, you know, I spent all day crying that's a good kind of crying, right? Because I, I read a lot of stuff that makes me cry all day long. <laughs> you know, I actually looked this up. I thought, why would anyone want to cry? There's actually there, there's different kinds of cries. Your kind of yeah. cries are that I don't want that kind. But yeah, but when you, but there's there's things that move us when when we see compassion just for the sake of compassion, and to believe that there's still good in people. Yeah, and what, that's my favorite. Think, yeah, one reader said to me, it's, it's great to see a strong male role model. I mean, if there's a male role model that actually was had no motive other than just being a good man with good morals and good, good Unbelievable. values. Unbelievable. Do you, do you know what happened to him in your real life? He passed away about 40 years ago. His name is Mr. Foster, and the book is dedicated to him. And uh, did you ever have the chance to say to him, thank you? No. Oh. No, he was very old, and I, and I was very young, and, and, and that was, we actually moved out of state, and uh, so by the time I came back, he was gone. But, you know, you're a little kid. You never even think of that. It's, it's when you're older, you look back, and you see people who made oh, a yeah. big difference in your life. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's something special that I think all of us have one of those people in our lives, and it makes a huge, huge difference. Um, also, you've got uh, the Noel Diary, which is a uh, Netflix uh, feature yeah. film, right? And it's out next it's week? It, yeah, it's on Thanksgiving Day. It's my first feature film. And Glenn, Carrie and I got to do something really fun. We, we had a red carpet walkthrough with all the stars. It's Justin Hartley from This Is Us. Mm. And um, it's director Charles Shire, who did Father of the Bride, who's Academy Award oh, wow. uh, nominated director. And the movie's really good. You and Tanya will like it. It's really good. We see Carrie and I see it three times now. And I'm um, just so pleased. And you kept saying, this is better than all your other movies. I tell me some movies, I go, well, honey, it's a feature film. It's a major budget. And Justin Hartley is just fun to look at. I mean, he's such a good actor. Okay, that seems, sounds a little like the old man next door with the chocolate, but I'm, I'm going to leave it alone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is uh, that's uh, premiering as a feature film. It's called the Noel Diary on I, Netflix. I'm but that is day. that is what you say. I'm, I'm Thanksgiving Day. Yeah, Thanksgiving Day. Um, uh, but the uh, Christmas memory, a Christmas memory, is uh, his latest 
really special and extraordinary book. Um, he's one of the best, I think, one of the best storytellers and best imaginations. Because um, some some stuff uh, that he has written uh, is so inventive, but it all is rooted in truth and all rooted in uh, something much, much deeper. And um, Christmas is his specialty. A Christmas memory available now everywhere, wherever you get your books. Richard Paul Evans, thank you, sir. Thank you. Have a nice Thanksgiving, Glenn. You too. You and Tom, you too. You bet. Bye-bye.